Hello everybody and welcome to Empower with M. I am your host, Emily Jane Saroff, but you can call me M. I hope you're ready to expand your mindset, raise your vibrations, break through limiting beliefs, and to seriously start owning your power. But before we dive into today's episode, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on any of my episodes. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I sure am ready. So let's get empowered. Welcome back to another guest episode of the Empower With Them podcast. And guys, I'm so excited to introduce today's guest to you all. This I've brought onto the podcast a teacher turned multi-seven-figure business mentor. And I can already tell how awesome her energy is, and I can't wait to learn so much from her today. So in saying so, I'm excited to introduce to all of you, Jessica DeRose. Welcome, Jess. Hi, Emily. Thank you for having me. It's so funny when you say empower and empower her because our signature program is called empower. So when you say it, it like just reminds me of my business. So I love that we're here. Oh, I love that so much. And that like, that's the thing. It's all about empowerment and how can we integrate empowerment into our business? Um, so I'd love to obviously hear all about your little take on, or I'd say big take on empowerment. Um, but before we do that, I'd love to also hear more about you and your journey. So do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Jess Glazer DeRose, like you said, and I'm the CVO, visionary officer and founder of the Digital Business Evolution, which is a company that houses a bunch of different coaching programs and courses and different mentorship pro- like programs and platforms for entrepreneurs, for business owners. We focus mostly on digital education. So anyone looking to build an online business and we specialize in course creation. I was an elementary school teacher uh, for actually eight years and a personal trainer for 18 years. And I took what was a cute side hustle, as I call it. And I scaled that, like you said, to multiple seven figures in under 18 months, which was pretty cool. So for the last four and a half years, I've been working full-time as an entrepreneur, left my job, retired my husband. He came into the company. We have a team of 13. And in January of 2021, we actually opened doors to a school that we built in Ghana, Africa with pencils of promise, which is really, really cool. That's pretty insane. It sounds like you're doing such incredible things. And from what I assume is such a young age, looking at your face on this camera. (laughs) Thank you. I'll be 38 next month. (laughs) Well, when this podcast airs, I think that's like right around my birthday. I'll be. Oh, I love it. I love it. But your journey just sounds like it's such an incredible one. And it's so amazing to hear that you were able to retire, you know, your husband as well and bring him into the business. Like, what is that experience like um, working with your husband and being able to integrate him and have him as some part of your vision? Yeah, it's incredible. You know, I think we always used to talk about, we call it crazy, stupid idea time. Like, wouldn't it be cool if... So for many, many years, we would say stuff like that, but he worked in corporate. He was with the same company for just about 12 years. We were living in New York city and he did the whole suit and tie thing, going to work every day. And we didn't think it would be any time now. It was kind of like one day when, one day when I'm making X amount of dollars or we have X amount of dollars in the bank, then we'll consider him leaving his job. And during the pandemic, we sort of got a taste of what it would feel like if we were able to work remotely. And if he wasn't tied to his job in New York City, well, then we could live anywhere we wanted. So actually, the journey started with us buying a 40-foot motorhome 
And we left New York City in September of 2020. We traveled across the United States. We did 27 different states in 14 months. And that's when he transitioned into the business as well. So he left his job. We traveled around, did basically like, you know, van life for 14 months. And now we live in Arizona, which is all the way on the West, West Coast. Oh, that's amazing that you've really gotten the best of both worlds. You've been able to build your business whilst experiencing this freedom and creating that freedom for your partner, your husband as well, which I think is so awesome. And so how long have you been running your business for now? So I started in 2012. So 2012 was the first time I started doing some like email workout programs for people. And they would write me a check in the mail, like the actual mail. And I would email them back their workouts. And this was while I was working full-time. So I was a school teacher and a personal trainer. And then I'd come home at night and I would email people workout programs. So that was in 2012. And then I started doing blogging and then I was doing like Facebook groups and challenges and people started paying me for things like that. And then I went full-time as an entrepreneur in 2017. So when I went full-time as an entrepreneur in 2017, I started to slowly shift out of the fitness space and more into the business space over the next couple of years. So by 2020, I was fully business mentoring and I had totally left fitness behind after 18 years. Um, so all in about 10 years, but full-time um, coming up on four and a half years. And to answer your question before, some of the transition... I'm an open book and super transparent. And some of the transition was not super easy, both from leaving my job and becoming a full-time entrepreneur to scaling our team and growing a team to bringing my husband into the business. It was definitely, it had its challenges. And I think the biggest and hardest thing for us was really finding his role in the company because we thought he was going to be coming in to be the COO, like the operations manager. And we very quickly learned that he actually is a visionary like I am. And so we've hired someone else to be the COO and he really is the CEO and he helps with a lot of the visionary things and sort of managing the team because that's what he was doing in corporate America. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's so awesome to hear how you've been able to create those spaces that really do align best with what, um, you know, his area of expertise is as well. So I'd love to hear a little bit on that, you know, like what is the importance of getting clear on what your area of expertise is and then being able to channel that into your business? Oh my gosh. It's everything. Awareness is key. Like if you want to grow, so we always say your business is a reflection of you and it will only grow to the extent that you grow. And so for anyone listening, I'm sure if you're a side hustler, an entrepreneur, or a coach, you get it. You're like, yeah, this is like a rocket ship to personal development. Like I thought I was building a business, but really I'm building myself and it will only grow to the extent that you do. So having awareness of yourself, whether that's through self-assessments and learning things like maybe you're into things like Enneagram or human design or, um, uh, Myers-Briggs, or it's learning about yourself and maybe some triggers and childhood traumas and things that you've gone through, right? Or maybe you're into astrology, whatever that might be. It's really learning to like, listen to yourself and tune in to your own intuition and your own purpose and your own thoughts, because there's so much noise always for all of us. And so sitting in silence and really listening to yourself and learning how to breathe, which, you know, like I said, I'll be 38. I'm like just learning how to breathe. And I've been meditating for over 10 years, but it's interesting. Um, when we left New York city, I realized as well, I meditate every day. I do breath work. And yet I hadn't actually like heard myself ever. And it wasn't until we left the chaos of New York city and we were out in the middle of nowhere in this RV that I started to hear my own thoughts at, you know, 37. So the more, the deeper the awareness and relationship you can have with yourself, 
then the better everyone, whether you have a team or not, clients, everyone will grow and thrive. And so that's what our team is committed to. One of our core values is, is just that. So our team is fully committed. We actually do breath work together uh, through Zoom. We do fun things like that because we want to make sure that everyone is in the right seat, if you will. Mm. And oftentimes we will put people in the wrong seat or we will sit in the wrong seat because we just need to get stuff done. And we yeah. think like, okay, I can just do it all. Right. So having that awareness is really huge. Mm-hmm. I love everything you just shared there. And some things I sort of want to bounce back at you is, um, I mean, I've only been in business for a year and a bit now. I started my business journey at the start of last year. And mm-hmm. I totally hear you when you say that like self-awareness is key. And I find that being in business is the best sort of personal development journey you could possibly go on. And yeah. you also, like you mentioned how when you went away and you went on your travels, you were finally able to like breathe and hear your thoughts. Now, Something I would love to hear from you is how could um, like an entrepreneur who's not taking themselves out of their office and out of their environment, create that space to breathe? Because even I find like business is so overwhelming and you don't realize how much that actually impacts your breath. And when your breath is um, being impacted, then of course, you know, your thoughts and everything feels the effects of it as well. So what's your advice for any entrepreneurs who may be wanting to find that clarity and that that space to breathe? Yeah. I love that you just brought this up because I immediately hear someone, I can see someone listening right now, rolling their eyes. Like, must be nice. Jess, you know, like I don't have that opportunity. So it's where can you create space in your life to bring that opportunity in? And that might just be changing up your work environment. So I see you have a beautiful, you know, fern behind you and a couch behind you and all these things, but maybe you can work in a different room one day. Maybe you can sit on the floor. Maybe you can go to a coffee shop. Maybe you can go, I mean, you're in Australia, you can go hang out by the beach. Right. So where can you go? How can you make it the smallest change? It doesn't have to cost you any money. You don't have to go on a big RV excursion or, a, you know, travel or a vacation, but how can you just change it up a little? And if you can't even change up your environment, can you change up your work schedule? So if you're sort of in this stale routine of what you do each day and you have your morning routine, and then you get on your computer and you check your emails and you check your Facebook groups and you do the things that you need to do. What if you just switched it? And what if you started doing things in a different order? So it's really just like spicing up your life in a way and your business life in a way that you want to almost trick yourself because your brain will start to just work on cruise control. We're on autopilot. And when we're on autopilot is actually the most dangerous time, because if you've ever driven a car, it's kind of when you drive to, I know everyone's done this before you drive the same paths that you always drive. Like maybe you're driving to your parents' house, maybe you're driving to work and you drive it every single day and you're not even thinking and you're driving, you're basically half asleep. And then a tree branch falls in front of you or a car stops short in front of you and you slam on the brakes. And all of a sudden you're kind of like smacked into awareness, right? And you're like, Whoa, my gosh, thank God I was paying attention or wow, that could have been so much worse. Right. And then all of a sudden you're awake. And so that happens in our businesses as well. And so sometimes we think cruise control can be really great. You know, everything in my business is just running. All I do is show up each day and it's totally fine. But that's where a lot of dangerous things could happen where you might miss something. Something might fall through the crack. You might not have the best client experience with someone, right? These little things. So making sure that you're constantly switching up your day, switching up your environment, getting into rooms that stretch you. I mean, I've had mentors. I've been in masterminds since 2014. And after a couple of years of a particular mastermind, I will go join a different one because I need to shake it up because I want to get around different people with different perspectives and slightly different bubbles, right? So these are all different things you can do. Um, And one of the tools that I use is just movement. Mm. And I think for me being in the fitness industry and being an eating disorder survivor, I've always 
thought of movement as like exercise or working out. It was something I had to do, or it was like a punishment. And if I wasn't on the floor sweating, it wasn't like a good workout. If I, if I wasn't, you know, bent over by the end of it, it wasn't good enough. And now I recognize that just movement is all that I need because stuck energy is what happens inside of our body. Stuck energy is what causes dis-ease, which could literally cause disease and back pain and all these things, right? So chronic stress and anxiety, fatigue. And so go for a walk, like stop what you're doing, put on a song that you love and just dance. You don't have to go on a vacation, just shake it out, do some somatic shaking, move, laugh, scream, punch a pillow. But really for me, it's just like some sort of a movement to move the energy because the only way to get out of being stuck is to move. And for me, I love nature too. So it's like a double bonus if I get to go walk outside. I love it. And again, everything you just shared that I resonate with so much. And um, that point you brought up about dis-ease as well. It's it's so funny because I literally just had that conversation with someone else on this podcast about um, the importance of managing your energy. And so that just sort of further um, further pushes and like says people, you know, this is this is something serious. This is something you should be really bearing in mind when you are going about your days and everything, um, the importance of managing your energy. And you also brought up um the point of like driving subconsciously and moving through your day subconsciously and again I think that's so important because we can sometimes think that like autopilot is helpful because you know we're not having to think about the things that we're doing but when we are in that unconscious state we're unaware of um maybe even the smallest things you know that could be throwing us out of alignment or creating you know compounding over time to create bigger problems and that's why I think that being conscious, you know, as you go about your day in business, as you go about working with your clients is the most important thing um, rather than being in that subconscious autopilot mode. Now, you did mention, Jess, um, there was some element of routine that came up in that conversation you had there. I'd love to know. So your title is CVO, is it? Yes, Visionary Officer. Awesome. Well, what is the daily routine of a CVO? Yes, mine, it changes every day. Um, we try to do scheduling for me in a way that is somewhat batched. So meaning I'll have a day where it is a CVO day. And so that day is dedicated to me, which is, sounds really nice, but that might be me going on an adventure. It might be me working behind the computer. It's really kind of waking up and deciding what do I want to do today? That's going to help spark ideas because as the visionary, that's my job. I'm the visionary and the founder. And my job is to be creative and come up with ideas. And so I need to make sure that I put it into my calendar. If I don't, then it doesn't get done. And I, I feel like I never have anything you know new to bring to the table. So some days are CVO days, some days are admin days. So an admin day is going to be back to back with meetings. Like I said, we have a team of 13. So we've got like internal meetings, we've got coaches meetings, we've got meetings with other companies that we, you know, work with and stuff like that. And then I have coaching days. So coaching days, I try to be on coaching calls, not all day, but I try to put them all on the same type of day because what I've recognized over the years is we have tasks that are both masculine and feminine. And so it has nothing to do with how you perceive yourself, what you were born as, or your sexual preference, but all humans have masculine energy and feminine energy, and our brains work in a masculine way and a feminine way. And this is, this is science. We can look it up. It's really fun. So masculine type tasks are going to be very administrative, spreadsheets, uh, black and white, very analytical, kind of looking at data. Those are very masculine tasks where the feminine tasks are going to be actually the coaching, which is the nurturing, the creating slideshows, right? A lot of the creative stuff. And so I don't focus so much on this day or the part of the day has to be this particular 
type of work. It's more what type of energy am I going to be in? And so on any given day, I'm typically creating a lot. So I'm creating social media. I have a podcast as well. So creating content for that, uh, interviewing people, being interviewed by people, you know, there's lead generation, there's team management, there's client management. So it's kind of wearing all the hats like everybody, right? Like lots of marketing, lots of behind the scenes. So yeah, it's um, one thing that I'm learning as we've scaled our team is to not get in the other, not get in the way of the other people. And so really taking my hands out of everybody's business because I trust them and our team is incredible and they are better at all the things that they're doing than I am. So the role has changed a lot over the years, but I'm doing less and less of the sort of back end like technology stuff and automations and stuff. And that's really passed off to our team. I love how you create the space in your schedule for creativity, you know, creating that CVO day. I think that's so powerful, but coming from like, you know, let's say you're back at the beginning of your business where you don't have a team of 13 people. How did you go about like cultivating that creative energy for yourself amongst all the other hats that you had to wear? Yeah. So I was really intentional about my schedule, even at that time. So I would still plop it in. If it was a half hour in the morning before my day started, I would wake up a little bit earlier. I would make sure that maybe it's a weekend. It's a non-negotiable. I'm not working because I'm doing a different type of work. Right. Um, So just really plugging it in and making sure at least once a month, I'm doing something fun for myself. Maybe I'm doing a night in or a staycation or a girl's weekend or something that it's really just going to be to like fill up my cup and my creativity. And for me, getting out of the norm is the best way for me to get creative. So if I work from home, so if I leave the house, ideas immediately spark. So it could just be going on a drive and, you know, I could be going shopping. I could be going for a walk with my dog. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be a big expensive experience or something like that. It's just kind of shaking up the norm. And then something I've been committed to the last couple of years is also doing new things and just trying new things and taking classes. So like art classes, I'm signing up for glass blowing, uh, dance classes, just things to kind of get me out of my element and into that creative energy. Yes, I absolutely love that. Last year I did the same and I dove into like uh, female empowerment dance classes, you know, like the heels yeah. dancing. And I found that was the best thing to just shake up your energy and also put you outside your comfort zone, right? Because we, as business owners, we're always pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone, but to then like step that far out of your comfort zone is just a whole other growth experience in itself, which is really awesome. So I love to hear you do, you know, similar things yourself. Um, But I'd love to sort of bring the conversation back to um, your business journey and scaling to the seven figure mark. Now you mentioned that you managed to do this in 18 months, which is pretty damn incredible. So I'm sure there were a lot of challenges and a lot of lessons that did come up for you though, across this 18 month period. So do you want to share a little bit of insights on some of that for us? Yeah, no, I didn't have any. It was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My gosh, what came up when I think back to those particular 18 months, um, so many things kind of fell into place. So number one, I had said earlier, I started my business in 2012 and then I went full-time in 2017. So the 18 months, the very sexy story that people like to share is from when I left my job in 2017 to the 18 months starting then. But the reality of it was I had already been selling things online for five years. So it was not some sort of like overnight success by any stretch of the imagination. But what did happen during those 18 months is that I left my job and I didn't have like a fallback. I didn't have another job lined up. I didn't have income coming in. So I sort of 
burned the boats, if you will. And I, I pulled my safety net away. And for me, that felt safe. So for the listeners right now, you know, I think Tony Robbins teaches the like core drivers. We have different core drivers and human needs. I think there's seven of them. And some people that core need, that driver is uh, certainty. And for some people it's uncertainty. And for some people it's growth. And for some people it's impact. And so one of my core drivers is uncertainty. I love adventure. I love exploring. I like new. I like that discomfort of standing on the edge. Now for someone who's listening, whose core driver is certainty, entrepreneurship probably is actually not for you. And that doesn't make you less than, it doesn't make you not worthy, especially in a time where entrepreneurship is trendy. We need people who crave certainty. We need people that love the nine to five job, who want to clock in and clock out, who love the, the constant, consistent paycheck coming in, right? And for me, in my job as a teacher, that's the stuff that I hated. Like I loved my job teaching and I love kids and I still teach and I still coach, but the certainty of as a school teacher, okay, it's back to school night. Here we are. It's the holiday book fair. Like that same thing over and over and over every year. I didn't like that. So when I left my job in 2017, there was 18 months. It was all about uncertainty. So how many risks could I take and how big could they get? I became obsessed with asking for help. So previously in my life, admittedly, I have won everything I've ever done, but only now have I realized that the reason I won everything, every competition, every student council, every, every client, you know, sales call, the only reason I won everything was because if I couldn't win, I didn't play. If I didn't have the chance to actually be the best, I wouldn't even put myself in. And so now I'm learning that the more that I lose, I actually get up and grow. And so in 2017, I started becoming obsessed with losing. I became obsessed with making mistakes. I became obsessed with asking for help, which previously I had never asked for help because my gosh, my ego, that would look like I'm not, that I'm not strong. I'm losing, I'm weak. And so what really shifted to scale the business was number one, I went all in and was okay with the uncertainty. Number two, I just was at bat more times. I just made myself look stupid. I made more mistakes. I was, I didn't care if I messed up, right? I started becoming obsessed because the faster I messed up, the faster I could learn why or why not it worked or did not work. And then I can integrate that moving forward. And I just kept putting myself in rooms that made me uncomfortable. Mm, I think that's such an important point for anyone who's like diving into the entrepreneurial space to really like just lean into, you know, that failure isn't failure at the end of the day I believe that's not failure if you're taking something away from it if you're learning from it in some way if you're growing from it in some way if you're going okay cool now I know not what not to do next time or okay cool now I know what to do next time that's yeah. that's not a loss it's it's an opportunity for growth but I'd love to know what do you think is the biggest mistake or biggest failure in quotation marks that you have experienced across your business journey that has turned into the biggest lesson that is now helping you expand in so many different ways? Oh, that's such a good question. So there's two answers popping up in my head for whatever reason, I'm going to say them both because someone needs to hear it. Uh, number one is readiness. This false belief that one day will be ready or feel ready and readiness is an illusion. It does not exist. So the reason you don't feel ready is because you simply haven't done something before. And this is where like imposter syndrome comes in. It's not a syndrome. You're not sick feeling like an imposter is because you haven't done it before. You haven't been there. You haven't experienced it. You haven't driven down that road. 
So because you haven't done it or experienced it, of course it feels uncertain. Of course it feels scary. You've never gone down that alley before. And so until you have gone down that alley, until you've taken that path, until you've tried the thing, you're not going to know how it feels. And so when we're all waiting to feel ready and we're waiting to feel this sense of certainty, it's kind of the chicken or the egg situation. You're never going to feel ready if you don't actually take action and do it or try it because the readiness comes from confidence of, oh, I've been here before. Oh, it's not that bad. It's going to sting, but like not that bad, right? When you go to the doctor and you're going to get a shot, it's like, I know it's going to suck, but like, it'll be fine. Right? So the readiness thing is a really, really big sticky point for people, myself included. And I think it's huge because we wait thinking, well, when I have more experience, have a bigger following, have a website, get more followers, get my name in Forbes, have more money, whatever it is, then I'll feel ready. And the funny thing is we'll get those things and we still won't feel ready. So wake up. You're never going to feel ready because if you're doing something new, it's, it's, it's truly an illusion. So that's the first thing that came to me. And I think that was for a listener. Um, but for me personally, uh, trust, <laughs> trusting other people and putting other people in seats or roles in the business, or even in collaborations out of almost like a desperation or scarcity or a fear where like, I'm craving to not be alone in my business. I'm craving for help in this particular area. So almost grasping for the first thing that comes, not really allowing myself time to say like, is this the best person? And letting my intuition say, does this actually feel good? Or am I grasping for like help? And so that, that has definitely been something in my business where I've made decisions looking back where I'm like, oh yeah, I was, I, I couldn't breathe. I was drowning in work. So I was grabbing the first thing that came and that wasn't necessarily the best thing for me or the business mm. or that person. I feel like trust is something that is so hard to lean into, especially when it does come to like bringing on those first team members and then handing over, you know, a piece of yourself yeah. to them saying, I'm, I'm putting my trust in you. But how did you go about like cultivating that trust in yourself to be able to take the necessary steps in your business that you've had to take? Mm. I think it goes back to what we were saying before, right? That self-awareness of being able to like go deeper and listen deeper and start to ask myself questions like, hold on, pause, pause before you do anything. What's the intention here? Why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I even looking for a person right now? Why am I thinking this person's a good fit? Can I hear myself? Like, what is my gut saying? What is my, my head saying? Right. And looking at the difference there and just checking in with myself and being okay with like, no, actually you're just really stressed out and overwhelmed right now. And so could there be somewhere else that we could fix a plug, like plug a hole in the business is somewhat, is something leaking you know, are, what are you in control of that we can shift first before we go just like grasping for, for anything? You know, I picture myself like bobbing in the ocean, almost like drowning and just like grabbing the first thing that comes by, not realizing that maybe the first thing is like going to sting you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, look, if you're swimming here in Australia, the first thing you grab <laughs> is probably going to sting you. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. <laughs> No, I love that. I think there's so much um, value and depth of value that you've provided us on the mindset side of things when it does come to, you know, what goes into building a seven-figure business. And obviously mindset is like, you know, 70% of 
the game at the end of the day. But of course, there is a lot of strategy involved as well. And I'd love to spend this next part of the podcast sort of tapping into that a bit and seeing what insights you have to share on that. So when you think about like the most important steps to building any, you know, online business to that seven figure point, what are some of the systems or some of the specific things that business owners should be putting in place um, that come to mind for you? Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind is foundations. And I think so many of us put this off or we do it at the very beginning and then we don't do it again because we don't think we need to. So for me, foundations could be anything from setting yourself up legally, right? So many people get into business, especially in the coaching space. We start to like throw stuff out on social media. All of a sudden we get these clients. Next thing you know, a year and a half later, and you're still not an actual LLC or like a, whatever it might be, S-Corp sole proprietor. Um, you don't have a business bank account. You might be using PayPal or Venmo, like these are not structurally sound ways to build a business. And so for me, I am in the full belief of building a business on a really strong foundation rather than what happens to a lot of coaches is they kind of build this skyscraper on quicksand. And then they're always looking to like fill the bottom and make sure they're fixing the bottom. So foundations could be that sort of like legal financial, but also it could be the stuff that I'm going to hear the eye roll right now, but figuring out your niche and your ideal client, right? Like all of these really basic things that we think, well, I've done that already. I did that four years ago in a course that I took, so I don't need to do it again. And that could be a really big roadblock for your business. And that could be one of the reasons why you are plateaued at 5K months, 20K months, 30K months. If you're plateaued, there's a good chance that the gap has gotten too big between you and your client. And it might be a really good time for you to go back to those foundational elements. And then the third foundational element would be actually the stuff people think is so big that oftentimes we think I don't, I'm not there yet. And that's actually sitting down and going, what's your mission? What's the vision? What are your core values? You don't have to have a company with people to have company core values. The core values are your driver for making decisions yourself that are going to reflect on your clients, right? So it's really threefold, but the foundations, again, it's that like legal and the tech aspect and all like the boring business stuff, if you will. And then the second part of it's going to be that boring niche and ideal client and I help statement and all of that, which is so important and going back and refining it because every time you do something, there's contra- there's clarity and contrast. So the more that you run a program or a course, the more offers you put out, the more sales pages you create, you're going to start to refine and tweak if you're a successful entrepreneur and successful coach, you know that listening is really important. So it's listening to what the people are saying, taking that feedback and making tweaks and detaching it from your ego has nothing to do with your worth. It doesn't mean that you did it wrong or bad. It's listening to what they are craving, what they want, what they need, where they've grown, and then implementing it. And then that third foundational piece is going to be that mission, vision, kind of core values. Mm. So foundations are obviously extremely important, which totally makes sense. And oftentimes these are the things that are overlooked, right? So the legalities, um, the bank accounts, like all of these little little nitty gritty details. And I, the reason why I got onto some of these things was because my mom was always in my ear, like, Emily, you're starting a business. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. And I feel like if she wasn't there, like constantly gnawing it in my ear, then I wouldn't have done it. So it's really great that you did um, mention those ones there. And the point that I sort of would love for you to expand on a little bit more is when you mentioned like the, the gap, 
you know, between you and your client getting too big and then that causing you to plateau with your income, you know, what would be your guidance in shrinking down that gap and allowing you to really start scaling your income further? Yeah. Well, first of all, cheers to your mom for, you know, reminding you, I mean, she's right. It's, it's crazy how we just build these monsters sometimes and then they take over us. And so, you know, contracts are important, (laughs) but the, the gap. So oftentimes, especially in the coaching industry, even physical products, right? You look at Sarah Blakely from Spanx. What what happens is we have a transformation. We go through something and then we want to teach it to people or we have a, a problem. And then like Sarah Blakely, she solved it with a solution. And so now you want to share that solution with people. And so usually what happens is people come along with you and they say, oh my gosh, I'm going through something similar now, or I want to have the same sort of A to Z transformation that you've had. Can you help me? And you can, but over time, that initial transformation, that gap gets really big. That now was six years ago that that happened. That was 20 years ago that you created that first pair of spanks, right? And so as the gap gets bigger, sometimes you actually forget what it feels like and you don't have like the right language and you don't even bring the same type of energy. And I think a mistake that a lot of coaches make online, a lot of entrepreneurs is they want to almost share where they're at now, which is great. And you should, because that's where you're at. And that's what makes you relatable. And you're a human, right? But if your audience and what you're selling and what you're serving is like base level, let's call it foundational step one, two, three, but you're over here sharing step seven, eight, nine, because that's where you are. Well, now you've lost your audience and the relatability is not there and the content doesn't resonate with them. So there's nothing wrong with that, but that's why you should go back and check yourself because maybe it's time to either fix up some of your marketing and messaging back to that person or create new marketing and messaging for the person who wants to be on step five, six, seven. Mm, I seriously see that clearly now. At first I was like, "Mm," but the way you laid that out, it clearly explains it. And it is, you go through this journey and even if it's like a span of a year or even a span of six Mm -hmm. months, that gap can grow so much. And I love that you mentioned Sarah Blakely as well, because she is like my old boss. Oh, I love her. Literally, when I was still, I was in the architecture industry before I came into the coaching space and I would sit at my little cubicle listening to this one podcast episode that she was on of Tony Robbins, where she was sharing her whole story. And I just listened to it on repeat every single day. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be me. I'm going to go home. I'm going to hustle on my business once I'm done here. And um, so I love that you brought her up because her story is so inspirational. It is. It's crazy. And the The cool thing is, so I like how you said the journey, because that's exactly what it is. It's understanding your customer journey. So when we say niche and ideal client and I help statement, it's understanding the customer journey. You don't have to always stay in the same place. So I imagine customer journey as a highway and there's entrances and exits. And so people can come into your highway at different entrances. They stay on it as long as they want. And then they eventually exit. Now, as a business owner, you want them to stick around. You don't want them to exit, but they, they might, you know, after some time. And so when you're a service-based provider or a product-based business, the idea is like, how can you create different things along the highway to keep them on longer? So how do we have longer retention? How do we create more products, additional offerings, right? And so understanding that you can always serve people at exit or entrance one, if you want, but eventually they're going to get to five and then six and then seven. And so then you have a choice. You can add something in to keep them on longer, or you just let them leave. But here's the cool thing. As you are driving down the highway and you yourself are on exit nine, 
you can still serve people at exit one and you can serve people at exit nine, but you just need to know the difference because speaking to them is going to be different. And when we talk about Sarah Blakely, who just sold Spanx for, I don't even know the number, hundreds of millions to a, a company that probably had 50,000 employees or something. If she were talking to a very new startup entrepreneur right now, is she capable of giving words of wisdom? Absolutely. But wouldn't it be more beneficial or more potent or more relatable for her if she was talking about selling a company, which she just did? Like, where, where is she at in her journey? Because Spanx started 20 years ago when she was knocking on doors at the mall to get her product into, into their stores. And now she just sold this company. And so I would rather learn things like valuations and EBITDA and, you know, multipliers and stuff like that from Sarah Blakely right now than maybe the beginning stages of her journey. Are your finances holding you back from investing into a mentor to help you expand your business? Now, if you answered yes, then keep on listening because I have a solution for you. And guess what? It will cost you less than $50 to take part. So I'm excited to introduce to you our Business Builder Hub. The BB Hub is an online space which supports the education, creation, and connection of entrepreneurs. Now inside the hub, I share exclusive Zoom trainings on business specific topics such as systems, strategies, sales, marketing, social media, and so much more. Inside the hub, I also share monthly downloadable resource drops such as templates and trackers to simplify your business systems, content, and more. There are live monthly business Q and A's, guest trainings, and also community challenges that I run within the hub to provide you that direct support and accountability to help you with your business growth. Now, the BB Hub is for you if you're an online business owner, if you're looking for practical support and tools to help you grow your business, if you want to up-level your social media skills and start closing more sales online. Furthermore, the hub is for you if you want access to high-ticket trainings at a low and affordable monthly price. So stop putting your business on hold because of your finances and start getting the mentorship that you have always wanted. The regular pricing of the BB Hub membership is $49 per month. However, as a listener of the podcast, I have created a special discount link for you to join at an even better rate. So head to the episode description now to get started with 50% off your first month in the BB Hub. Go check it out. I can't wait to see you there. So foundations are obviously extremely important. What is the next step that you would sort of advise someone to take when it comes to obviously building out their business? Yeah, marketing. And to me, marketing is content. And I don't believe that you necessarily have to have all of the foundations in place to start content. So you definitely would want to know, you know, your niche and your ideal client and sort of the customer journey so that you know who you're talking to. But you can start putting out content before you have uh, an LLC. You can start putting out content before you have sat down and really thought about your core values. And so I think of business as kind of gardening, like harvesting a garden. And so we're just constantly planting seeds and nurturing them. And if we've ever tried gardening before, which truth be told, I haven't really gardened, <laughs> but if you ever have, sometimes you plant a seed and actually find out that it's not getting the right sunlight or it's getting too much water or not enough. And you might have to move the seedling. And then there's certain plants or flowers or fruits or vegetables that take months or years to break through the surface of the earth, but they're 
still doing things under the ground, right? They're getting their roots out there. Bamboo takes like three years to sprout through the center of the earth. And then pineapples are like 18 months before they bear their fruit. We all know the day that you plant the tree is not the day that you get the fruit. So when you're building your business, this idea of content and marketing, it's sucks when you're in it because you feel like you're talking to nobody. You're like, but no one's even responding. No one's engaging. I mean, I wrote a blog for years that I'm, I swear my mom is the only person who read it, but it didn't matter, right? It was the act of consistency. It was the practice of creating content. It was understanding my own voice. It was putting out, it was putting out content to have it there if somebody stumbled across it. And the reason we want to be doing that is because content is going to create authority. It's going to create brand awareness. It's going to create credibility, no like, and trust, relatability. It's the best market research you could ever do because people are going to give you feedback or not. It's going to give you direction. It gives you clout, right? It gives you that like leg to stand on. And eventually when you have things like testimonials and case studies, it, it gives you hype. It creates momentum. And so the content really is marketing nowadays. We don't have to pay for magazine ads and TV commercials anymore or newspaper ads, which is really cool. So social media is a piece of marketing, but content and marketing, if you're not doing that, then it's basically like you're winking at somebody in the dark. Yeah, I hear you completely. And the crazy thing is we live in this day and age where we literally have all these marketing platforms free at our hands. And like, you know, we can be reaching millions of people's eyes and putting our product literally straight in front of them without having to pay a single cent. So like, obviously marketing yourself on social media is such an important thing to be doing for your business. And I'd love to know, like, what's the best sort of way to go about um, marketing your products on social media mm-hmm. as well, because I know that, it, you know, you can come across quite salesy in certain ways and you do want to be obviously leading with value first, but what's the most, you know, cleanest and best way to go about actually sharing your services in the world of social media? Yeah, I think this is different for everybody. And this really goes into, again, that self-awareness piece, but also understanding your core values and what feels good for you and what doesn't. Uh, what's aligned for you and what's not, because there are different ways to market. There are different ways to sell. And there's ways that I have, I even have friends and peers who market and sell in ways that I disagree with and I don't like, and I don't want to use that in my business model. So it's, in my opinion, it's not going to feel salesy when it's aligned. So I just look at it as solutions. And so for us in our business, in our company, we're offering solutions and those offers are simple invitations. I'm not standing at the door outside the club, like trying to get you to come in. I'm not handing you flyers and telling you how amazing it's going to be. I'm actually inside the club. I'm at the table with like the bottle service. I'm just hanging out. So if you want to come in, you can come in, grab a seat, grab a cocktail, get get a blanket. Like, I don't care what you do. Right. But it's an invitation to come in. And my belief, my personal belief is that if you have a solution to a problem, it's actually your responsibility to be sharing that with people. And so if you're not sharing it, then you're technically stealing, you're robbing people of the opportunity to have a transformation. And if you, if you wholeheartedly believe in your solution and you believe in your offer, you believe in the service that you have, the product that you sell, then it should never feel salesy because you're just letting people know about it. I think there's um, a misconception that people have with business and sales, because now so many people are their own business. So many people are personal brands. So many people are entrepreneurs running their own businesses. And so there's this crossover where even people will say things like, oh, my business is like my baby. No, 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 it's not. It is not you. It's something that you do. It's something that you've created. 
be mindful not to allow your business to run your life, but your life rather to run the business. And so my business is not my baby. I put a lot of time and work into it. I've worked really hard on it for many, many years. And yes, I've birthed different ideas within the business, but I am not my business. It is not a part of my identity. And so when you can detach the two, now it's just simply a product that could help you, then your business is supposed to make money. Like let's call a spade a spade. If your business isn't making money, it's not a business yeah. yet. It's a hobby and that's okay. But businesses are supposed to make money. So if you were to walk into the offices at Amazon or Pepsi, Coca-Cola, Nike, the bottom line is all that matters, right? And it's it doesn't have to be manipulative. It's not a bad thing, but their goal is to make money. And the more money they make, the more people they can serve, right? And the more people they can get on staff and they can help those people feed their families. And it goes so much deeper. But when you're trying to be a business, even if it's on Instagram and you're, you feel like you're just a coach or just a personal brand, no, no, no. You have a solution to a problem. And your job is actually to make money in your business so that you can do other things. That money provides you opportunity to reach more people, to make a bigger impact, to hire employees, right? It gives you those opportunities to do those things. Yes. First of all, I love how much of a visual person you are with all of these like visual illustrations of what you're talking about. It sits so well with me. And the second thing is I love how you've really brought in like the importance of uh, developing a positive money mindset as well, because if you are carrying the belief that, you know, um, it's salesy or it's sleazy to be selling your product, then that's a really negative money mindset because you're lacking the awareness or you haven't come to the awareness that making money allows you to make a bigger impact, which at the end of the day, as service providers and as entrepreneurs, that's what we want to do. We want to make as big of an impact as we can. And you need to have an income coming into your business in order to do so. So I love the um, emphasis that you did put on that there. Yeah. So Jess, as we do start to wrap up this episode, I'd love to hear first and foremost, was there a third and final point that you would like to share on, you know, these are fundamental steps that business owners should be taking to help them build to that seven figure point. Mm. I think the third thing would just be removing your ego. So one of my dear mentors and friends, he says, ego is your biggest overhead Mm. and it will cost you everything. It can cost you friendships. It can cost you opportunities. It can cost you money. And so if you can, when you can remove that ego and understand again, you're detached from it. It's just a piece of who you are, right? Like it's just one of your little identities. Um, then it's, then it's saying, I don't know. Then it's being okay with saying you messed up. Then it's okay. You're okay with asking for help. And the only way I was able to scale to seven and certainly multiple seven figures, I have not done it alone is having a team. And so those team members, it's, it's, you know, offloading control. It's asking for help. It's admitting when you're wrong. It's apologizing for things. It's, Um, learning how to communicate better. And this is all around ego, which a lot of us have really big egos and there's nothing wrong with that. But um, I've definitely uh, worked on my relationship to my own ego over the years. And as I've gotten a stronger relationship with her, um, the business has blossomed. Mm, I feel like this is just another piece of the whole uh, self-growth journey you go on in business is becoming aware of the fact that you have an ego and when it is (laughs) speaking, like what goals are coming from place of ego versus a place of like, you know, your truest self. 
what hires are you making just for the sake of being able to say, oh my God, I've got this on my team. You know, that's again, coming from a place of ego investments, all of that. I feel like that's something that reflecting on the past year has become very clear to me as well as when and where my ego has popped up in my business and what that has costed me as well. And it does come with a cost. Like if you are acting from that place of the ego, rather than that place of um, just true alignment that does happen. There's always a cost involved. But I absolutely love those three points that you were able to share with us there, Jess. There's so much value you've packed into this episode today. Now, something I ask all of my guests that do come onto the Empower Them podcast is what is a final piece of empowering advice you'd love to leave our listeners with today? Oh, man. Um, again, what do I think they need to hear? I, I feel like, and this is because of conversations I'm having right now, while we're recording this episode, we're in launch of our signature program. And so it's a lot of conversations with newer entrepreneurs or people who are looking to pivot. And so this conversation is coming up a lot. Just because the industry or market is saturated does not mean there's not room for you. In fact, if it's saturated, it's showing you proof that we need more of it. And so when you look at something like we always use the bread aisle, when you walk down the bread aisle of a grocery store, especially here in the United States, there's, and I'm sure in Australia, right? There's a dozen, two dozen, four dozen different types of breads out there. And so it is not an indicator that you should not go create bread, but rather an indicator that, wow, there is a lot of people who want bread and they want a lot of different types of bread. And so there is definitely a place in the market for you. And I believe that saturation causes innovation. And so there's a story that I won't get the details right. So don't quote me on this one or the Sarah Blakely thing from before, but um, there's a story that Apple had come out with their, or they were ready to come out with their iPhone many years ago. And Samsung was also trying to beat them to the punch. And so Samsung decided, or Apple decided to hold off and wait. They said, let, let us let Samsung take the cake for being the first ever to come out with a smartphone. So Samsung came out with their smartphone. The world went crazy. Oh my gosh, the first ever smartphone. And what Apple did was they removed their ego and they sat back for whatever, six months or nine months or a year. And what they did was they collected data and information about the Samsung launch. And they found out from people, all the different glitches and the tweaks and the things people liked and didn't like. And they sat behind the scenes willing to take quote unquote, second place for coming out with this smartphone. But when they did, they came out with a bang because they had already made all of these tweaks. They had made all of these different things, these, these fine tunements, right? So that they could come out with the best, at the time, the best smartphone. But the story is that the saturation of other companies doing it is what caused the innovation for Apple to come out with this better product, right? And so you look at things like, technology, we look at all these, even social media apps, we could talk about food items, whatever it might be. The saturation is just proof that there's market demand. Mm. And that's a good thing. So don't let it being saturated, hold you back. Let that actually be a driver for, I mean, man, if you've ever been to New York city, it's the same as Sydney. I, I lived there for a while. There's a coffee shop on every street corner. And so the reason that they're able to all be in business is because they understand why people come to them. What's their mission? What's their give back? What's the environment? What's their customer service like? Are they geographically in a place that makes people, you know, makes sense for people? So for you, that's when someone is scrolling, are they passing your content geographically, right? So think about all the different reasons. What's the vibe? What's the music? What are the size of the different coffees? Like all of these different things, I call it your secret sauce. That's what's going to differentiate you between you and the thousands and thousands and thousands of other businesses and people doing what you do. But nobody does it like you. 
Yes. Oh, I love that. That's the most unique piece of empowering advice I've heard at the end. You know, oftentimes there's like different sort of uh, pieces of advice that interconnect, but what you shared there, and I think it was something that was so relevant as well, because it's even a thought that's crossed my mind at times, right? Like in a coaching space that is ever growing and is oversaturated, like, is there really a demand? Is there really that need for me as an individual? But you sharing that and uh, shining light on the fact that just because an industry is saturated, it doesn't mean that there's not a demand. In fact, it actually means there's a higher demand. I think that's just the most powerful way to wrap up this episode. But in saying that, Jess, uh, if anyone has you know, been listening along to what you've been sharing today and absolutely loving what they're hearing. Where's the best place for them to find you and how can they connect with you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. You're wonderful at what you do. Um, I hang out most on Instagram. So I'm at, I am Jessica DeRose. And of course I've got a website and Facebook and my podcast, which I'd love you to come listen to is called the digital business evolution. We chat all things, mindset, strategy, business stuff, entrepreneurship, leadership, all the things. Amazing. Well, we'll pop all of the links into the episode description so that everyone can find it um, if they wish to do so. And I know you did mention as well that you have an upcoming signature program that's about to be launched. So did you want to share a little bit about that with our listeners as well? Yeah, I would love to share information. I believe when this episode is out, we're already going to be in our uh, class, but that's okay. So our signature program is called Empower funny enough. And it's a 12 week group coaching program. It's a live group coaching program. We are launching our 15th class right now. So it's been around for a while. We've got lots of people that have gone through, but that's the program that you're going to come to. If you want to create a group coaching program, you want to build a course, a membership, anything like that. And we walk you through all funny enough, the foundational things, the marketing and the sales. Uh, we pace you through the whole program. We've got a team of 10 coaches, everyone from a accountant to a lawyer and everyone in between. So it's very, very cool. It's definitely my favorite program. But like I said, I believe when this episode drops, we're going to be in our 15th class. So it will just be right after. But of course, we have a wait list open always. Amazing. Well, we'll pop all the details into the episode description for that as well. And Jess, I just want to say a massive thank you for coming on, spending this time with me today and sharing all of your insights. I've honestly taken so much away and I've loved just learning about you and your journey as well. It's really inspired me with where I can take my business, you know, across the next 18 months or so. Yes. Emily, thank you so much. So that's a wrap on today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast or know somebody who needs to hear this, then send this to them and share it to your stories, tagging me at empower.with.m.podcast. If you want more from the podcast, make sure you jump on over to the Empower community on Facebook. I have popped the link in the show notes of this episode, so I can't wait for you to join me there. But that's all for me for now, fam. It's time I love you and leave you. So until we hang again, remember you can break through any limiting mindset, any limiting belief, and you can rise above any challenge and step up and truly be empowered.